Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the line, they burn him again, and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Welcome, everybody, to Warriors 24 with my co-host, my former producer when I was back working in San Francisco on KMBR Radio, and then he deserted me, and <laughs> I, had a lot of, I had a lot of other good ones. Cyrus Satsis, and Cyrus, you go, you go, you got a handle that you go by. What, what do you go by? Oh, just Cyrus or Cy. It's, no, you know, no, you, but you go by other things on the line. You got some things, surf guy or whatever. What is all that stuff about? Surfer, Cy. Well, I've been a surfer for over 20 years, gee, well over 20 years of my life. I've been well, covering I gotta, surfing. And- I got to get you hooked up then with, with my sons, Brent and, and Candy, because yes. they both love to surf. I would love that. And especially Candy, and I know you mentioned more recently. Um, I didn't know Brent surfed either. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, Brent surfed. He's gone down to South America to surf and all he loves doing. He does it outside oh. his place down in Hermosa Beach. Hey now, yeah, well, really um, cool. and and Steve Kerr surfs. I actually interviewed him a year ago about that. And he, if anything, him and Brent should be going out surfing together in the off season. But uh, but but I hear yeah. that he only he only goes to his left when he surfs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where's the rim shot? Okay, huddle, ba boom, bada boom. Oh yeah. So listen, let's. This is going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, uh, our timing isn't so good here though, Cy, uh, because. We had five-year run for the Warriors that was the best ever. I mean, you start talking yes. about the, you know, run, the, the Lakers showtime, the Celtics and the dynasty that they had. No one has had a five-year run like the Warriors just had. And to be honest with you, and I've told a lot of people this, you can – they should have won five. Seriously. They, I, they, I agree. They don't have the injuries last year. They win. There's no doubt in my mind they win if, if, if they don't lose KD and Clay. And then the other one was the debacle with the situation with the, with the 73 win. You know, yeah. The Draymond one when he gets suspended. I mean, first of all, that one, nobody talked much about this. So this is a great opportunity because I can start bringing up stuff now to get everybody really ticked off at me. Right. But, no, Rick, let's do it. I mean, I, yeah, I know it's I'm been three it. years. I, do no, it. You know what? I am. Because here's the thing. The official swallowed his whistle. You go watch what happened. What LeBron James did to Draymond to throw him down to the court like that should have been the whistle should have blown a technical would have been called and Draymond would never have responded. I don't think the way he did to get him that suspension. Because he was really ticked off when he got, I mean, come on, you want somebody to do what he did to you. He, that was not right. It was, that was a flagrant foul. Would you say that LeBron was a, a, uh, was brilliant in doing that, given he provoked Draymond into the suspension. I would, I would, I don't know if it was going in his mind and everything, but it turned mm. out to be a great play. That, yeah, that, and in Game Seven, the two best things he did was throwing Draymond to the ground to get him yeah. suspended with the reaction, but also the block that he made on Iguodala. Oh uh, well, that's yeah. Because I tell you, I tell you why that made a big change. It made a big change for this reason. When you're playing in a game, especially in a championship game, and, you're, and this is a game seven for the NBA championships, right? At, they're playing, the Warriors are playing at home. If that basket goes in, you're now playing from behind. As it was, the game was stayed tied. Yep. And, and for the last four minutes and 20 seconds, it probably was the worst offensive display of basketball in the history of any NBA game seven final. It was horrible. <laughs> no, seriously. No, you're right. One, you're right. One, ba- one basket was made, right? The three-point shot by Kyrie. And one of two free throws by LeBron. And here's, and I try to tell people to understand this, having been in this situation, to take that three-point shot that Kyrie took, being tied in the game seven, late in the game, 
is not a difficult shot to take. Why? Simple. You're tied. You miss it. You're still tied. But right. if you take it and you were down two and you miss, now you have a big situation where the other team can go down. They score again. Now you're really in trouble playing on the road into game seven. And so those were the big factors. And then it was compounded because you know how they talk about you live with the three, you die with the three. Well, yep. in that case, the Warriors died with the three. In the last four minutes and 20 seconds of that game, other than that breakaway that got blocked by LeBron, by Iguodala, everything came from the outside by the Warriors. I, I really would – I was praying, guys, please, you're at home. Go, Clay, Steph, go to the basket, get fouled, put some points on the board. You can always kick it out for a three. They missed some wide open ones and they took some ill advised threes and they shot themselves in the foot and wound up losing a championship that they should have won. So it's, you know, Rick, I'm guessing you're not a, a Warriors fan, even though you're the or the second greatest player ever in the history of the franchise. I, I'm a diehard Warriors fan. Oh, no, no, I'm it a is, huge Warriors fan. All right, so it, it, I, I love watching this. I love watching that team play during that five. <laughs> that five. I'm just bringing out what happened. They should have won five championships right. in a row. I'm just saying it's killing me going down memory lane again talking about this. But I do want to add. I do want to add two things to this. And I, first of all, you're a hundred percent correct about everything you said. One is. Is, was it not egregious to you that Kiki Vandeweghe, who it drives me insane that he's still in the position he's in, that he gave Draymond that flagrant foul? Because it wasn't issued to him in that game. It was issued after the game, and that's what led to the suspension. That, to this day, makes me so livid. At Kiki Vandeweghe, it almost felt vindictive. Who happens to be a good friend of mine. <laughs> I'll tell you something sorry, about sorry. Kiki. No, no, that's yeah. okay. That's okay. That's, that's the thing about being in America, we can express these opinions and not get thrown in jail and disappear from the face of the earth. So that's always a good thing. But here's the deal with Kiki that I, I had great respect from. He's the only player ever in all the years that I did broadcasting. And as you well know, I had the reputation of being brutally honest. As my wife said, honey, I wish you get the brutality out of your honesty, but I love your honesty. <laughs> take, take it out of the marriage. It's, Don't take it out of the show. Well, but he, no, <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm going to be brutally honest in this show. Good, good. So, so Kiki, I said something in a game about Kiki, and I talk about players if they make a mistake or do something and just basically tell the truth, but I don't do it to be critical, okay? or I didn't do it to be critical. I never have. I do it to be informative, and I did it to be informative. And in his case, I was talking about something he was doing incorrectly that he should have been doing another way. And he came up to me after he had gone back to the hotel. He saw a replay of the game, and he happened to hear my, the audio, and he heard what I happened to say about him. He came up and thanked me thanked me for pointing out something that he didn't realize that he was doing incorrectly, that it really helped him. And so I respected that a lot, that he was willing to come up and do that. He didn't get mad at me like some guys do. I mean, I remember years ago when I was doing college basketball, was it college basketball? I think I was doing at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I said something about, I think, no, nah, it might not have been, I'm not sure. It might've still, I think it was still the pros with uh, our, the mayor of, of Sacramento. Okay. Kevin. Kevin I mean, Johnson, yes. Yeah. So Kevin, Kevin's mother was so upset with me because I said something negative about her son. His mother's will be protective, and I don't blame her for sticking up right, for right. her son. But I tried to know. I said, look, I just tell the truth. I mean, your son did something wrong, and I pointed it out. So don't, you know, here's the thing is that people get upset with you when you say something that you don't agree with. Look, you don't have to agree with me. During the course of the show, you don't agree with me? Great. Okay, don't agree with me. That's fine. But don't get mad at me. Yeah. I'm entitled to my opinion. You're entitled to your opinion. And, you know, 
let it be. I mean, take it or leave it. It doesn't matter right. to me whether you agree with me or not. And in some cases, when I was doing my show on KMBR, as you well know, we had some people would call in and they get into these big heated discussions about stuff with me. And I even <laughs> used to laugh and I said, you know what? I have to tell you, I really admire the fact that you are willing to get on the air and have a discussion about basketball and think that you know more about the game than I do. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, and that's that is what, crazy. That's, and that's what kills me about the, what's going on even here. Like after the first game, the Lakers and the Clippers, right? The Battle of L.A. You know, I mm-hmm. guess they're having the Battle of New York coming up here. So with, with the Knicks in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know yeah. how much of a battle it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, you know, and two teams that are going to be contenders. I mean, there's no question about it. Those two teams, Lakers and the Clippers, are going to be really good teams. The Clippers. Oh, yeah. That. We're going to get into that here in a little bit about what yes. happened embarrassing last night. Mm. But so here, so here's the deal. Some of the talking heads got into things as if this was this was some type of pontification or something, and all of a sudden the sky opened up or the you know the waters opened up, and this great revelation was going to take place after one freaking game. I mean, it's like unbelievable. I mean, seriously. I mean, I know that I would be concerned if I was the Lakers that you lost and, and Paul George wasn't even playing. But the Clippers are playing really well and they're a tough defensive oh. team and 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 they're and Doc's got them playing exceptionally well. They're believing in themselves and they're going to be a dangerous team without question, no question in my mind. And about the few things that I've seen of the teams that played so far, you know, people better worry about those Clippers right now. Is it safe could, to is it safe to say they're the favorites right now? I mean, it's only been one or two games. Okay, but I, I, just if you're going to do a quick analysis, like you say, I'm not picking anybody. We right. talk about predictions and stuff. I you know, predict this early in the season is who's going to do what. You could take a look. You can make a guess, just like with the Warriors and with Charles Barkley, right, right. Said, which we'll get into. Yeah, yeah, you can say something, but it, the validity of it is so minuscule. I mean, because there's no. <laughs> there's no how do you know after one game? You don't know. Just like I'm saying this, this is after seeing the Clippers twice. Impressive. I mean, well, if, if you weren't right. impressed by the, if you were not impressed by the Clippers' performance in these two games against the Lakers and the Warriors, then you, you don't know basketball. They were impressive on well, both ends ask, of the court. Incredibly impressive. Let me ask you this: Let's say we're doing like a power ranking of the top five teams in the NBA at this present moment. We're not predicting who's going to win the championship. Would you put the Clippers number one? Right now, yes. Yeah, I would based upon what I saw, but based upon what I saw and uh, well, I would say based upon what I saw coming from uh, from Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, interesting. Okay, so ahead of Houston. I I have Houston number two. No, 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 no. But you see what Houston did? Yes, they had the lost. They lost at at home at home. They had a big lead. They lost the game. They didn't again. Crazy performance, terrible performance. I mean, Harden didn't shoot the ball well and play well. He did not. I, I tell you what was impressive, though, and this is the thing about him that I really love about Westbrook. Man, this guy is a rebounding fool for a guy Crazy. size. Crazy. So what, I mean, what do you get, 16 rebounds? I, this guy is amazing. He's such an athletic specimen. It's just unbelievable to me. And actually, I was pleasantly surprised that they actually coexisted pretty well together. Yeah, And they were passing the ball around and moving along. In fact, if anything, it was a vast improvement over watching them in the playoffs last year when Harden had the ball for 20 to 22 seconds most of the time. Agreed. So I, I, I really I, thought they played a lot better team basketball. They just didn't shoot the ball particularly well. And uh, Gordon just killed them. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> he took some of the worst shots and couldn't put it in the ocean. So <laughs> really, yeah. really, just really bad. Yeah, but, I, I still have Houston ahead of him just because that, that team's going to have to take a little time to, to develop cohesion there. But that, that Rockets team is so talented. I, I, 
them and the Clippers to me are one too. But uh, you know, again, this is all. Yeah, but it comes down to your bench. Yeah, that's true. You got to have a bench to do stuff for you. And uh, right now, come on, the first game the Clippers got sixty points off their bench. Uh, you know like, how insane that is? Six shot points. The, of course, they, they got one guy Williams that's kind of the guy that does most of the damage for you, and he was the leading scorer in the game against the Warriors for heaven's sake, and played so exceptionally well. But yeah, but here's the thing that I don't know what the bench should be like for and have to we'll watch it as the season progresses for uh, Giannis and the guys there. I'm, I'm always going to call him Giannis because trying to say that last name takes too much time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Too yes, difficult. So the freak. Anyway, the Greek the freak. freak. Yeah, G, and Giannis. I mean, he's uh, giving respect to doing that. I don't have to call anybody a freak of an everything, but he is pretty amazing. <laughs> I don't think he minds it, though. I think yeah, he's okay. He, if he likes it, that's good. But he, he, was, <laughs> he was impressive. There's no question about that. And they're a very good team, and they don't quit, and they could have easily lost that game. But they showed great resolve, uh, very impressive in what they were able to do. And, and the Rockets, you know, again, showed that they don't know how to close games out sometimes. Even with most even times. With Westbrook. Yes. Well, I'm trying to be nice. Okay. <laughs> well, let's uh, do mind. First of all, I want to, I want to finish up my thought going back to the 2016 Warriors. I just want to mention the second thing that. Boy, still, you are a diehard, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, to this day, the other thing that drives me crazy, and you want to talk about talking heads, right? And people with opinions. Hey, that's the section that we're going to have every year. And you just, you know that, that we're going to have the drive me crazy section every love time it. on the show. I love it. We'll save that yeah. for, for the end there of the Yeah. It, well, it drives me crazy. And then we're also going to have the NBT squared. Done. We'll get those both in there for sure. Which is nothing but the truth. Squared. Yeah, well, nothing but the truth, which is NBT squared. The truth, T squared. See, that's why it's NBT squared. Perfect. So that'll be a We're going to have NBT squared, and we're going to be doing the drives me crazy. And I have some things that I have written down that drives me crazy. There's so many different things and we'll, we'll just save like I love one a show, you know, Perfect. come up with it and do it and just Perfect. tick up. We'll tick a lot of people off with that. Probably. Uh, good, good. But, but I wanted to quickly finish up on that 2016 warriors is okay. that in your, and, and I'd love to get your feedback on this given again, you're one of, in my humble opinion, you are the most underrated player in NBA history, easily. So people, people are going to think I'm paying you to say that. No, know, no, right? no. I, I want to make it very clear. This is my humble, obje- as objective as I could be opinion, just based off a combination of measurables from your stats, combined with the eye test, watching all these clips of you play, and the fact that you were the first point forward in NBA history. I mean, you revolutionized this game decades before what it is now. You were so ahead of the, ahead of, ahead of the time. But that 2016 Warriors team, and I'd love to get your feedback on this, I do not think they should have pursued that win record. I feel like they, they went down the path of the tw- 2007 New England Patriots going for their regular season gold and burning out in the process and not having that extra energy they could have used and needed in the finals. Do you agree with that assessment? No. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. And, yeah. and, here's, and here's why. All right. I don't think that they really did anything excessive with it. I mean, first of all, Cyrus, today players don't really play a lot. I mean, a guy plays 36 minutes and they talk about the fact that, oh my God, I'm playing 36 minutes a game, whatever. That's uh, 36 minutes. I I would not be happy playing only 36 minutes a game. It's a 48-minute game. I'd love to play. One season, I I averaged 47 minutes a game. I hated being out of the game. Hated it. What? I wanted to play. I wanted to play 36 minutes a game. So that's what they, that's what they, even during that season, I think if you looked it back and go find the stats on it, and uh-huh. I, I, I bet you Clay, I, mean, I bet you that Steph didn't play more than 36, 37 minutes a game, even during, even with that great season that they had. It's not like they put their guys in there for 40 plus minutes a game. That's I true. Mean, and I don't think that they burned them out. It has nothing to do with burnout at the end, it had to do with that 
the whistle being swallowed by the official, which happens a lot in, in, in situations like that, and yeah. not calling the flagrant foul on LeBron, and then just not being smart about going for two points and attacking the basket at home in a game seven instead of taking nothing but those three-point shots that killed him and not scoring a point in the last four minutes and 20 seconds. What did that have to do about bird out? That had to do with not good execution, taking some bad shots, and missing open shots. I, I, I will say Steph Curry and Draymond both did admit and acknowledge that there was a mental fatigue that came with pursuing that that uh, record. And I, and again, I, I, I do think, and look, you, your opinion is much more valid than mine based off your experience, but I do think that if they did not pursue it and maybe just took it easy towards the end there, it never would have gone to that point. You wouldn't have that game seven. You wouldn't have a 3-1 lead blown. It would maybe. be a 4-1 series, you know? Could, could be. I mean, you know, there's no question it could be. But the thing is, hey, if they said that they felt it had a mental drain on them, well, then it did. I mean, I don't know because I was never fortunate enough to be in a situation to play for that kind of a record. I wish I was because I hated <laughs> losing. That would have been nice to not lose very often. Uh, it would have been great. I don't think it would have bothered me. I do know one thing that I did learn, and this is something that I think would be interesting to our listeners, is that you have to be careful about getting too psyched up and geeked up for a game because that will drain your energy. Okay. You really have to be careful. I experienced that firsthand. You get so emotionally worked up getting ready to play and doing it. And you got the, I always love the butterflies and the nervous energy in the mm-hmm. stomach. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I got into doing long driving and golf because I had to find something to do that was competitive <laughs> and get the juices flowing and all. And so, but you have to learn to control it. And you, yeah. that's something that only comes with experience. That's why when you get to a finals and you have a team that has people who have been there before, I give a little bit of an edge to them. Because they've been through it. And if the other guys haven't been through it, they're liable to experience what I experienced, which is they can get so wrapped up in this because it's everything you've ever wanted to do in your life in the game that you love so much. And you wind up using up a lot of energy as right. a result of it. And that is limited. Uh, you know, you mentioned something a moment ago, which, is, which I thought raised a great point, which is like Michael Jordan, I felt like wanted to play every minute of every game. I mean, even towards the end of his career, yeah, he was the still way playing, I felt. <laughs> and that's how you felt. And you, and you said that's how you felt the same way. What, what has happened in pro sports and more specifically in basketball where I do feel like athletes are more soft than they were? Like, why, what, what has happened with the durability of athletes today where 36 minutes a game and all of a sudden you're worrying about them playing too much? Well, like I don't why? think it necessarily it's the athlete. I think it's what's happened with the teams with the amount of money invested in. They have so much gotcha. money invested in them. They want to try to protect their asset. They don't want to break them down. They don't want to play them excessive amount of minutes, and they're worried about injury. I yeah. mean, just think about the look at, look at how much money between two players that I wish were all back healthy playing on the Warriors team, but they're not, KD and Clay. The amount of money that each of those teams is paying out and getting zero return. Yeah. yeah zero. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, you want to so talk about protect- the Warriors? It's, it's protecting your investment, right? Yeah, I know. I agree. I, I, I feel that. But I, I also, again, I still do feel like the players just, like, if, if there's an opportunity to take a night off, I feel like more players now would do that than 20, 30 years ago. And, and I just don't understand why. But, uh, and I don't know if they're just soft than they were. But uh, on another note, do you want to cover last night? The Warriors did have a uh, season opener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, well, it's, it was, it, I told you before 
that I was worried about the game after what yeah. I'd seen in the preseason, mainly because there are so many deficiencies that the Warriors have right now. And we talked about just earlier about uh, how important the bench is and what the Clippers have going for them yes. with their bench. And the Warriors have always had a good bench. That's one of the reasons why they were able to have that incredible five-year run because they always had people on the bench. In fact, when they let a bunch of people go a few years ago, I was worried about it. But they brought in guys that really did get the job done for them. Uh, it wasn't as good last year. I don't think last season as it has been in the past, but it was still pretty good. Uh, and then the injuries, of course, you crushed them. But now I'm looking. So the first game I watched, and I kind of like the pool kid. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, but then he goes and he doesn't play well again. And then he has another one. And so it, it's just one of those things that you say, well, what the heck is going on with these guys? And you look at the, you look at the team and you say, well, who's going to be the guy that can come in off the bench? Who's going to be, well, not necessarily at the level of Williams from the Clippers, who's right. absolutely off the freaking charts. I mean, sixth man of the year. I mean, this guy is pretty special. And he scored the most points in NBA history off the bench. So clearly, yeah, he's amazing off the bench. But the Warriors had that, uh, that counter in Andre Iguodala. They don't have that now. Well, yeah, but, you know? but he wasn't always a scorer. It wasn't always scoring yeah. that he did to do it. Occasionally he would do it, but it wasn't necessarily the scoring. He brought other elements to the game. His defense, right? His playing outstanding defense and doing those types of things. I mean, anyway, let's get down and take a look at this thing. So – you, you, you look at what, what they did. The one guy that played halfway decent for him was, you know, Glenn Robinson the third. But he he hasn't done that throughout the throughout the uh, the course of the of the season. No. But he didn't this one. I mean, he was five for ten, had thirteen points. I don't know, but you know, only twenty five percent from threes. And the Warriors have always been a three point shooting team, and they only shot in the mid thirties in this game, which is not indicative of what the Warriors do. But what a lot had to do with Steph had a bad game, two for eleven. Right. Right. I mean, so. You know, you're in trouble. The Warriors in trouble if Steph is having a bad game, you know, shooting, shooting the ball. Uh, and here's the other that the guy that I said had to do some stuff to help this team out has got to be Draymond. And Draymond's got to get double-doubles. So he gets what? Four rebounds. That's it. And he got yeah, four that's... rebounds. He did get 11 points, which is good. But I'd like to see him getting, you know, like 12 to 15 in that range. But he's got to get double digits in rebounds. He's got to help him in the rebounding department. And, and that's what he – and that he didn't have to do that last year with KD around in the two right. last couple of seasons. But now he, he has to do that. And then this is the other one. He's been an up and down. I mean, he showed you – Russell is who I'm talking about now, D'Angelo. Right. I mean, he, he – the first game he was trying too hard, didn't have a particularly good game in the first exhibition game. Then he had a nice one, a, a good one in the last game against the Lakers when the Lakers didn't play any of their really good people. And so, you know, how much stock do you put in that? How, what does that equate to? But then he comes out in this game, and he saves their butt. I mean, they're getting absolutely destroyed to start the game. I mean, it was, what, 16-2. to two. I mean, embarrassing. And then he goes and scores 10 points in a row to, to at least get them back in the game, and they made right. one little run at him in the first half, but then it was over, okay? But he winds up 6-for-16. Six I mean, he got 20 points, and he's going to have to score 20 points a game, along with Steph, for this team to have any chance at all to win enough games to become a playoff team. Right. I really believe that. I, I've said that from day one, and I said, well, we'll see how he fits in. My biggest concern, other than the fact that being a little erratic with his shooting, because, I mean, he was not particularly good from uh, from from the field, although he shot really well from three-point range. I mean, yeah. he was four for eight, so that that counterbalanced that a little bit. But he's got to play there. But the biggest concern I have for, for, for him is defense. It's a huge I, concern. It's, it's a, a huge concern, concern. because you know, here's the thing. It's, it's not necessarily si, – it's not necessarily your individual defense because I remember talking to the great Jack Ramsey, who I really had a lot of respect for, and I yes. said – we were talking one time. I said, so, Jack, here's the deal. I'll give you 12 players. 
okay? Because that's the roster back then. It used to be 12. Now it's right. 15. 14, 15, yeah, uh, yeah. 15 and two two-way guys, okay? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, right. so I said, here's the deal. I'll give you 12 great individual defenders or 12 great team defenders. Which, which one would you choose? Which 12? And he said, the team defenders. I said, I agree with you 100%. And here's why. Because any great player offensively is going to beat any great defensive player. Okay. He's going to, he's going to beat them sometimes. It's just going to happen. I mean, there's no such thing as you hear the talk. Some of the guys say what I really get. Well, I'll tell you this, this would drive me crazy. I'll save that for the drive me crazy. (laughs) Okay. 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 We'll say, I'm not going to get into it. So anyway, so, so every time if a guy gets beat and you don't have good team defenders and they're all individual defenders, you're going to give that team a whole lot of easy dunks and layups, easy shots, because you're, going to be beaten defensively by a good player. But if you have 12 team defenders, they don't get the easy baskets. Team defense forces teams to take more difficult shots. You don't let them get to the basket. There's three critical areas to get to when you play the game of basketball that you have to defend, and that is you take away second-chance opportunities, you take away fast-break opportunities, and it, well, and the third part of it now has changed. It used to be make them beat you from the perimeter. Well, the Warriors over the last five years could beat you from the perimeter and so can a bunch of other <laughs> yeah. teams now. So you right. can't just let them go out and make them shoot from the perimeter because some of these guys are too good as shooters. So you have to get up on it, but you have to take away the second chance shots and you yes. have to go ahead and get back and take away the fast break opportunities. You have to do that. And so, you know, anyway, that's no, it's look, you, co- you coined uh, the phrase that lives on to this day, defense wins championships. And this Warriors team gave up so many easy buckets last night. That's 141 what, points. I mean, and, and the, the third quarter, I mean, I don't know how many layups I saw. I mean, you cannot let people get layups. That is like just basketball one-on-one to me. You, but look, we were talking off the air uh, before the show, and you, made, you raised a very interesting point, which is the height of this team and the size of this Warriors team, which contributes directly to the defense. I'm looking at this roster right now. Willie Cauley-Stein is out with that injury, with that ankle injury. Um, Alan uh, Smelagic, and I apologize if I mispronounce his name, he's out. He's the rookie uh, or the second-year player um, who's out with an injury. He's 6'10". Their tallest guy right now is 6'9". And there's only two guys that reach that height. It's Mar- Marquise Chris and, and uh, Kevon Looney. Yeah, Kevon and Looney might not play soon because of that hamstring injury now. And so they're in some serious trouble, Rick. I mean, th- with size. I mean, why would you construct a roster like this? I, I don't get it. Yeah, well, I don't think it's something that they were planning on having happen. I mean, there's no question <laughs> about that. I mean, I looked out in the first game when I happened to be there watching the play of the Lakers, and I looked out, and every Laker player was taller than every Warrior player was guarding them. That's crazy. I mean, and some of them significantly different. <laughs> That's crazy. And so yeah. with, the, with the backcourt of Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell, how are you guarding larger backcourts? Yeah, well, this is where team defense has to come into play. This is why there has to be such a tremendous – tremendous focus total focus right on being a great team defendant so that you can be in position to help out and do it and as you pointed out they obviously didn't do that because if you're playing great team defense you don't give up all those layups you're talking about right exactly um do you want to hear draymond green talk uh, in the postgame presser last night about this great defense i'm obviously being facetious saying let's put it on all right, let's hear this. We had some great opening nights here, getting rings, stuff like that. This was different. Um, the Chase Center, your first game here, obviously the result of the game. Just how strange and different has it been this season so far? Uh, it's been one game, so it hasn't really been too strange. Um, it's not really much to assess. We just got preseason crushed as well. tonight. 
I've never really been one to assess anything about the preseason. It's not really something anyone takes that serious. So. Uh, hi, Jay. Uh, Barkley talked to Clay at halftime and said that after just one half, he could see that the team would not make the playoffs, and Clay brushed it off and kind of laughed at it. Uh, when you hear something like that from a guy like him, how do you take it? I don't really listen to anything that he says. What are they telling you about the injury? I mean, and is there any concern like it's going to linger uh, beyond just hey, it's sore for a couple of days? Uh, it's a bruise, so you know um, it'll probably get even more sore overnight. Uh, but you know, just go to take it day by day, and you know, hopefully it starts to improve pretty quickly. But it's not really much you can do about a bruise other than ice. Rick, you're hearing this okay? Yeah. Okay, good. Here's and this is this is the part I think where he's really upset. They shot a fifty six percent from three. How much do you chalk that up to them just making a bunch of shots? And then what did you see from the defense? Our defense execution? was atrocious. Um they hit some shots, you gotta give them some credit, but when you get in the type of rhythm they were allowed to get in, uh, you're gonna hit shots. And a lot of them was open. So Get them some credit. They're a damn good team. But our defense was pathetic. Was there something specific defensively? Uh, everything. Off the ball, on the ball, uh, pick and roll coverage, transition defense. It, it was bad across the board. Jeremiah, how, how patient are you with this with this team? You have, I think, nine guys under 23 or younger. They have to learn the system and the culture and the way you guys play. How, how patient are you and then also the organization? Uh, you got no choice but to be patient. You know, you can't really speed the process up. Um, the only thing that really helps with that is experience. So, have to be patient. What, what exactly happened on the play? I mean, it seemed like Beverly, I guess, kind of hit you on a screen. Is that how the bruise happened? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it was his elbow or his shoulder, but he got me pretty good. Um, but it is what it is. Kind of wrong spot to get hit at, but it happens. Uh, on a positive note, what did you like about the team? What do you think you can build off from today's game? <laughs> mm, I think we had some good moments offensively, uh, a few, but. I'm not a moral victory type of guy. I'm not leaving this game looking for something to build off on. We f sucked, and we gotta get better. I'm not. I'm not a coach, so I'm not about to go watch a film and say, "Oh, well, we can build on this." I really don't give a damn about what we can build on. We sucked tonight, and we gotta get better overall. And that's just what it is. I love Draymond. I love Draymond. I, 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 you know, like he doesn't sugarcoat. He doesn't like moral victories. I'm guessing you agree with that. You seem like the type of individual and a player who did not like moral victories either. I hate him. I, I mean, I think morale boosting is a good thing, but I mean, they played like total S, you know, there's no other way to put it. Well, he, I think he gave a very astute analysis of what yes. took place last night. Uh, it, it was an embarrassment on the defensive end of the floor. And as he said, there were moments where they did some things offensively that were good when they got themselves back in the game. And 
D'Angelo had that little run with his 10 points in a row, and then Steph knocked in a few threes, and they got the game close again. Everybody got excited, and, and it was just a momentary blimp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they, then they went back to their old ways and just got annihilated in the second half, and he's right. They have a long way to go, and as was pointed out by one of the reporters there, I mean, you know, you have nine players 23 years or younger, and Draymond said it, I think, perfectly. Yeah. And, There's and no I, substitute for experience and you can't rush the process. It has to just go along at its own pace because you only learn through being out there and experiencing the games and the situations and learning from those. And you have to pray that they pick the right people to be on this roster, which right now, uh, I don't know who they are. I mean, I don't know who's out there that's going to come out and consistently play well. Do you have a guy that's going to come out and get you 15 one night and four the next, and then he comes out and gets eight, and then he gets 16? You want a guy that's going to be consistent. And here's what I was told, Cy, when I first left the pros. I, who, the, the one man, I mean, I had a lot of people. My father was in, so incredibly instrumental in, in setting the foundation for me and teaching me the fundamentals of the game because he was a semi-pro player and coach. And then my brother helped with tremendously, my brother Dennis. And then I had a lot of nice coaches along the way to be able to learn about the game and play it the proper way. Mm -hmm. And But you have to have that fundamental understanding and knowledge of the game. But I had my father-in-law, who, who I did marry his daughter and, and when I got out of college. He said to me, he said, look, understand this after all the stuff he didn't help me, because we, we play pro-style basketball. People wonder, you know, how you come in because very few rookies ever come in and, you know, make first-team all-pro <laughs> and, and, and do what I did in my yeah. rookie year. But that's because I was like being in the minor leagues training for this. I mean, Cy, in college, my senior year, we averaged 99 a game with wow. no three-point shot. In college? In college that's, with that's no three-point shot. My teammates, Junior G, Rick Jones, Wayne Beckner, uh, John Dampier, these guys are unbelievable shooters. We were unbelievable. With the three-point shot, we just scored 110. So we played man-to-man -man defense, and we ran and pushed it. So for me, it was being four years, even though I couldn't play varsity as a freshman, four years of playing pro-style basketball to get ready to have the impact I had as a rookie. That's why it happened, okay? Yeah. And, so, and I remember when Coach Hale said to me, he said, Rick, he said, during the course of an 80-plus-game 80 80 schedule, you're going to probably have eight games where things aren't going to go well for you. You're not going to shoot the ball well. It's just going to happen. But what you have to learn to do is you have to learn to be a contributor when that's not working. So if the shot's not working, get some more rebounds. Play right. better defense. Yes. Do the little things to, to justify your being out there on the court. Just if you're not shooting the ball well, you, you become a liability if you don't do these other things. And so that's what players have to learn how to do. And so you will have those few games doing it, but you can't be on a roller coaster ride up and down and up and down and up and down. You got to stay and maintain at a high level and perform at that level on a consistent basis. And you'll have a couple times where you'll drop down. Then you're going to have somewhere you're going to go and have an unbelievable game. But you have to stay at a high level. Have you seen anybody thus far through the through the exhibition season, which in Draymond's right, you don't put a lot of credibility on that or a lot of or know, one game. I know that I journalist mean, you know, was insane. Asking yeah, him, well, yeah. I mean, come on, after one game, what what they were talking about after the Lakers Clippers game was just insane. So anyway, <laughs> no, yeah. seriously. No, I mean, you're right. You're right. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's one game. game. It's, it's one, one yes. freaking game. I mean, <laughs> come on, give me a break. 
you know, a guy and happened to have, and you know, the Rockets case, you know, Harden has a bad game shooting and it's in the Warriors case, Steph has a bad game shooting threes. I mean, so you could just take a look at it. It, it happens. I mean, so let's just go for the long haul. As I tell people, the NBA season is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So yeah, it's not true. who gets out of the gate fastest. It's who is able to play well, improve and be playing your best basketball come april so anyway that's you know that's what it's like so the warriors yeah, yeah. right now haven't shown me i haven't seen someone who's shown me that they can, and it's no more than one you got to have a number of players like we rattle off some names earlier right you know guys that they've lost that are no longer with the team that have been with them for years you know sean i thought was unbelievable for them and the same thing with iggy and they had people in the past you know david lee willing to go to the bench and the, the what he brought to the table when he played David back West. Those years. David uh, West. David West incredible. is another one. Throw David yeah. into it. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of guys that you can talk about that have did what you need to have done to help your team be successful. And right now, tell me who's going to be there. I mean, we no, just they're... were talking a little bit about, you know, about what was going on. I mean, so who, who else is going to do it? I mean, you know, I mean, Looney was like unbelievable last year in the playoffs, but he's just coming back off of an injury. So he hasn't done a whole lot. You know, maybe maybe Pascal, I don't know. Maybe he's going to be somebody that could do it consistently. But then, you know, Chris comes in and, you know, he, he's not really a scorer or shooter. He's playing defense, trying to rebound. You know, Evans, again, it's five for nine. But, it, again, it, it's like a lot of those points and stuff were scored when the game didn't mean anything. Exactly, you're you right. Know, then I talked about Poole. Poole goes two for 13. I mean, it, was, I, I mean they're young. 13. They're young. Yeah, so let's right. hope, that's let's what I'm hope saying. they improve, yeah. Yeah, but uh, the do, thing is, you got to be, you got to get, the, you have to just play better. And these guys can't get down, they can't get discouraged by it. But the thing is, they have to make a commitment to their defense. If they play defense, and this is what I said after the first game, oh my God, they're giving up 120 points or more a game. They play the first game, you give up 141. That's that's a lot of points. You, do you want to, um, you know, in that in that uh, in that Draymond presser, there was a reference to the comments Charles Barkley made. Do you want to hear those real quick? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I, I do. Okay, good. This was this happened at halftime. Um, this was during the halftime. Uh, you know, there's a halftime interview that was taking place. This is NBA yeah. on TNT. So exactly. this is Charles Barkley and uh, Clay Thompson. Rush back to try and win a go to a six straight finals. If I'm not 100 percent, because our window to win another championship, I think, is open for the next five six years. Go ahead, Charles. Well, number one, I hope you get back soon. But you're just wrong. Um, what is he wrong about? Well, I think they won the shut. Uh, Why? Well, because I don't think they can score enough. You, I want to make my, my other prediction, and I was wrong before the game. Mm -hmm. I said they were going to be the seven, eight seed. They're not going to make the playoffs uh, because they just can't, they just can't score enough. You know, you look so at you can tell after one half of basketball yes. playing yes. with the best defensive team, no, the Clippers. No, but not that, not just that, Candace. You you know when you look at your team, you say, okay, Steph can get me thirty. D'Angelo can get me 20, but Draymond, even though he's a heck of a player, he only going to get me 15. That's not enough in the Western Conference this year. Would you like to respond to that, Clay? Um, I mean, Chuck has the right to be a little pessimist pessimistic, but I think I think these young guys are going to step up, man. I, I mean, I, I, I did a shooting drill with Jordan Poole yesterday. He smoked me three out of five spots, you know. Glenn Robinson has plenty of experience in this league. I really like what Marquise has given us this this training camp. He's we've kind of revived him, and and it's uh, I think it's exciting, man. I think we got enough guys to get get us there at least. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yeah. Well, that's that's a very interesting conversation that and, and you know Chuck I think has there's some validity what Chuck said. But 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 the thing that's interesting is is that he was talking about the wrong end of the floor. Yes, you're hundred percent right. I don't know why he brought up scoring. Uh, what did he Although, bring up scoring? They scored 120 points against the, uh, one of the better defensive teams in the league. They what was the score at halftime though? What they was, gave up 141. What was the score at halftime though? They, because this was a halftime interview. I, I I'm looking at the let me look at the box score. Uh, yeah, well, but, the, it was they scored 54 points. Thank you. I, I mean, listen, that's what I'm saying. He was talking about the wrong end of the yeah. floor. It's yeah. not about whether the Warriors can score enough points. Is can they stop the other team from scoring more? Yeah, and and, and, and I do, but I do agree with them and stuff. I have changed my opinion. I first said because I thought Clay might be able, to, and then I said, well, why am I thinking that? I know what happened when you do. You can't, you know, a, you, that kind of an injury. You know, it's a year or more. So that was just pie in the sky, thinking that he's going to be back after All Star and stuff. And all I my thought was maybe if he could get back where he was, if the team was really doing well, and he could get back to play at the end, right at the end of the season, not after All Star, maybe at the end of the season. That would make a difference, and I said I wouldn't want to be a team if they finished seventh or eighth, and that happened, right? If that if they finished seventh or eighth, I wouldn't want to be the one or two seed having to play them if Clay's back and playing at his level. But the Absolutely. thing is, they have so many other the other deficiencies that they have on the defensive end. If that doesn't change dramatically here in the coming months, I would have to agree with Chuck that they might not even make the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very real possibility, especially since that Western Conference is just so deep. I mean, well, look I, at you, Denver. Look, Denver was impressive. The I mean, they looked good doing what they did. I mean, yeah. they did a heck of a job coming back against Portland, another team that's a good team. So you got Portland, you've got Denver. You know, San Antonio is always going to be there. I mean, seriously. I mean, and well, you got the Lakers, you got the Clippers, yeah. you got the Rockets. I mean, that's six. On. That's come six. On. What about okay? So that's that's six teams right now that you're saying are going to make the playoffs. All right, so let's break it down. Clippers, Lakers is one, two. Houston, three, uh, and these are just the, the for sure teams, right? You got the the Utah Jazz are a for sure right. team. That's four. Denver Nuggets, five. Five. Portland Trailblazers. Portland Trailblazers are definitely going to get in. That's six. Uh, San Antonio uh, Spurs. You think they're for sure? I, I like right now. I think they're better than what the Warriors look like. All right, so that's so they seven. they might have a chance of getting that eighth spot. So that's seven teams right there. So who gets the eighth spot? We're 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 arguing. We're, now we're debating between who: the Warriors, the Kings, the Thunder, uh, the Timberwolves. Um, I mean, the Warriors. And the Timberwolves I mean, looked pretty good last night. They did. I I feel like I'm missing an important team. And there's there's a Pelicans. I and that depends largely on whether or not whether yeah, or not well, Zion. Zion if Zion comes back and doing stuff because they you know they 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 went all out playing in the exhibition season played well. But if he comes back, so there's another team to throw into the mix. So and then there's I'm one more. Saying, and there's one more, Rick, and that's the Mavericks. The Mavericks, who who yeah, with the two with the two with the foreign exchange. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and I know it's only one game, but they look good. No, they, they did really they good. Looked, they look they look good. And but you know we'll, we'll we'll see. So we're gonna have a lot to talk about as the season unfolds but that's what i'm saying yes realistically if you want to be totally brutally honest the warriors are going to have to improve dramatically over what we saw in game number one if they hope to make the playoffs this year i totally agree with you uh and and honestly it's only one game and it right. was one game against the one of the best teams so Who's it's, play, it's hard to judge then they're playing they're playing quite well this is two very outstanding games that they just had i mean so yeah i'm not going to base it all on this but i'm just saying the the handwriting is really on the wall here. I mean, yeah. this this is an eye opener, hopefully, for the team to realize how much work they have to do. They're going to have to work their butts off, and it has to start with a commitment to becoming a really outstanding team defenders. Team defenders. 
You know, it's nice to have a bonus of an individual guy. I mean, I had a great night, Darren Hancock, who played at Kansas, who played in, in the NBA for a while. I had him in the minor leagues, and he was an incredible individual defender. And I had to talk to him. I said, Darren, I, I just have great respect and admiration for how good a defender you are individually. I said, but you got to learn to play team defense because you're so worried about your guy that you're not in a position to help if your teammate gets beaten and they're getting easy baskets. we got to stop those easy baskets. And that's what you, you need to have. Now, if you have a combination of a guy that's a tough individual defender and then you have the good team defense, that's what's going to make you into an exceptional team. And right now the Clippers look and they have some individual Beverly, you know, he's a pain in the butt. He's the kind of guy uh -huh. you hate to play with. Right. He's like yes. a little gnat, you know, <laughs> he won't leave you alone. Uh -huh. and, and which is great. And, and, but they have people who can do that. And, but they also then are playing and Doc's got them playing really good team defense. So. There we go. Fantastic. Uh, Rick, let's, I, I think we should wrap things up. We've been talking for an hour now. And I, yeah, I mean, that's a long show. My wife said, hey, don't do it any more than 24 minutes. I said, honey, I just get warmed up in 24 minutes. It's like asking me to play a basketball game and say, Rick, only take 10 shots. Come on, my arm's not even loose at 10. <laughs> so uh, back when you were doing your KNBR show, I think they had a segment at the end, uh, and they played that song, She Drives Me Crazy from the right. Mind Young Cannibals. What is driving you crazy for this week? Well, there are a lot of things that drive me crazy, but what drives me crazy more than anything else, I'll, I'll get this out of the way right now. What drives me crazy is when I hear a former player uh -huh. talk about another player that's on another team and talk about him being a lockdown defender. Cyrus, there is no such thing. If you're an offensive player and you're a scorer and not a shooter, a shooter can be locked down. Mm -hmm. A scorer can never be locked down. And so I'm just thinking when I hear that, I'm saying, oh, okay, so obviously you were only a shooter because you've been locked down in your career because I was never locked down. You cannot lock down great players. You can't, no, you can't lock down. You can lock down a great player who's just a shooter offensively. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. A superstar then. A uh, shooter? A no, no, because some superstars were shooters, but they did all the other things as well. If you're just a shooter offensively, you can be locked down. Can Steph Curry be locked down? No. But okay. he's not just a shooter. He's not. You're right. No, he's a scorer and a shooter. I mean, so he's both. He's both. That's the thing. You really, if you got both, I mean, that's what I said about Clay. And Clay changed his game. Clay was just a shooter from the outside to begin with, right? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, starting to go to the basket and doing stuff, hitting the mid range shot, shooting the three. If you got a guy that could, and is a great free throw shooter on top of it, you can't lock that guy down. Fair enough. You're, and you're absolutely right about Clay. He has evolved so much. He was actually at the peak of his powers when that injury happened. That was so heartbreaking. Oh, he's playing so good. I mean, uh. and, and, but that's the, so anyway, that does drive me nuts when I hear that from a former player. It's one thing to come from one of the talking heads. It's another thing to come from a freaking player. Oh, man. Do you mind if I, do you mind if I uh, throw in a drive me crazy? Something that drives me crazy? You, Can I you, jump no, in on this? No, you're entitled to have your own drive me crazy. I love it. I'm, I'm going to say what drives me crazy is broadcasters who do not have a good broadcasting voice. And what I mean in this case is uh, the official TV affiliate of the Warriors is NBC Sports Bay Area. And whoever their voice guy is, I don't know what that title is, their narrator, whatever that is, he sounds like a little 18-year-old kid who Maybe he is. Straight, he might be. <laughs> and if that's the case, you know, shame on NBC Sports Bay Area. Hire a professional. I mean, the kids, I mean, I hear a lisp when he talks sometimes. He has no baritone. It's just, it sounds amateurish. Yeah, well, my, man, a monotone person could be very, very boring to listen to. Wife, well, I have just some talk baritone. like this all the time, and I said that this is what I'm going to be doing. And I tried to talk the entire show just talking like this and everything. I think you would fall asleep after a while. <laughs> no, speak, I meant more baritone. Have, have a little Well, it's not only the baritone, but it's also having, having some excitement. Get, yes, I mean, having articulate various, yourself. 
well, you could be able to articulate and speak well and also try not to say, you know, which is, that's another thing that drives me crazy. Oh my God, I brought up two things. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I can do it. I mean, seriously, <laughs> seriously. It's, I, I, and, and some of the athletes and some of the interviews that they hear one time, and I won't mention his name because he's a dear friend of mine, but okay. he's a Hall of Fame athlete. <laughs> one time he said, he said something like 46, you knows in, oh. in an interview. I mean, oh, oh my that's a crutch. God, it was painful. That is painful. That's a crutch. painful. Yeah, it really like is. It. And so what you learn if you broadcast this stuff is that even if you think it's an eternity when you're not saying anything, it's okay. Think before and don't say, you know, you know, to try to fill in the fact that you're trying to figure out what you really want to say. Uh, before we go, Rick, uh, great first episode. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to do this with you. Uh, how can people find you on social media? I don't know. <laughs> rick rick 20 rick 24 barry and i mean <laughs> let me tell you something cyrus if i was playing today uh-huh. and i don't know why these athletes aren't doing it i would kill social media is such an incredible opportunity it to is. get messages out to promote things to it's just it's really it really is amazing it really truly is what can be done with that and you know, as long as you're promoting things that are meaningful and worthwhile and, and, and not just a bunch of garbage, which I you know, have a real problem with. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, I like at some of these shows even that are on TV. I mean, how does anybody say, wow, this should be a great show? And then they've been around for a couple of seasons. I'm going, are you kidding me? That's a whole I mean, other not, show, Rick. Uh, yeah, That's I'm a not, whole yeah, other show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we could go off forever on that. Yo. We sure yes. could. We sure could. But anyway, <laughs> it's great to be doing this with you. I'm glad that you reached out to me about doing it. I've been away from doing this on a regular basis. I mean, I do so many radio interviews and things. I just I did two of them today. Wow. Uh, okay. So, yeah. And then so I'm telling everybody to check it out. Warriors 24. Just go out there and look for it. And hopefully we'll get some more people who will want to get involved and uh, turn it into something uh, interesting for, for the listeners. Well, if you love the Warriors and you love the NBA, I guarantee you're going to love this show. You can follow me on Twitter at DogSurfRoadShow. That is my handle. And uh, Rick, always a pleasure, man. Thank you. Hey, take care, everybody. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.